Hi there, you're listening to Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host today, Jillian Lewandowski. To give everyone a little background on me, I am currently Heartstock's broadcast production intern, coming to you from New Jersey. Just recently graduated from Pace University with a BBA in sports marketing and a minor in arts entertainment management. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our show today. And of course, a special thanks to Carol for allowing me to take over for the day. We have a very special guest this week, Brett Bloomberg, who is the Director of Sustainable Events and Analytics at Green Sports Alliance. Brett will be with us shortly to tell us all about what he is up to. In the meantime, remember you can like us on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. In just a moment, Brett Bloomberg will be with us. This is Heartstock. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. This is Heartstack Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are now joined by Brett Bloomberg, who is the Director of Sustainable Events and Analytics at Green Sports Alliance and is coming to us from California. Hi, Brett. Hi, Jillian. How are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Happy to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me and uh, congrats on the recent graduation. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So how are things in California? Doing well. Doing a lot better, actually. Um, sunny weather, summer's coming, numbers are down COVID-wise, so uh, I think there's a, a sense of optimism in the air. That's always good. Yeah, that's definitely been our ongoing question uh, for our guests. So to kind of kick us off here, Brett, can you please give our listeners a brief intro about yourself? For sure, for sure. So I am calling from San Diego, California, which is where I was also raised. Spent almost the entirety of my youth. Uh, in the 90s and, and 2000s, outdoors and in the gym, playing almost every team sport imaginable, skating around with friends, or, or probably playing a few too many pixelated video game versions of those sports. And after a, a pretty bad football injury that, that ended my competitive sports career in, in high school, I was somewhat forced to switch my attention back to my education, which had always been a, a strong point of mine despite some distractions. But when I was trying to decide what I would be studying, I was thinking back to how my mom was really passing the, the outdoor adventure bug down to me, always bringing us out to weekend mountain bike rides or camping trips or beach trips. And so when I was actually selecting my, my career choice in university, we were actually right in the middle of the BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. And I, I just, I, I remember feeling such a strong pull to do something about it. Way I, just, I just remember thinking when the next one was going to be, if it would be affecting us here in California, killing the wildlife here, closing down the beaches. And so I enrolled in the University of Colorado, Boulder, uh, as an environmental engineering major, also a geology minor, thinking that I could do something about it, despite not really knowing what exactly environmental engineering was at the time. But that, yeah, that, that really set me up uh, to begin this journey. And you mentioned an injury early on in your age, and that kind of pushed you to turn your focus, I believe. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the, the injury was to my rotator cuff. I, I, I tore it um, in, in the middle of the game. You know, it, it's not the most significant injury you can experience on a football field, certainly not. But I think, you know, what it taught me was some level of resiliency of just enjoying something so much throughout my life and 
needing to switch gears and, you know, even trickling into my education in college, I just had a really rough first semester out there in Colorado in engineering school, um, just getting confronted by all these weed out classes freshman year, really brought me to the, the brink of dropping out and was just lucky enough to, to stay level-headed and, and committed to the, the objective. And uh, yeah, happy to talk a little bit more about that experience. Yeah, definitely. And I'm curious, too, about your time in Colorado. Did being, you know, I think so close to nature, did that have an effect on kind of why you wanted to work within the sustainability sector? Yeah, I mean, I I had an aunt who lived in Durango, Colorado uh, when I was growing up. And so spent some summers out there, of course, chose my degree prior to going to Colorado. But of course, the nature reinforced my decision and made me realize that I did make the right decision. But I, I think it was really not so much where I was, but what I was able to do. And after making it through that first semester, I was lucky enough to get an internship with ESPN on their remote sustainability team. And I was actually an intern for their ESPYs award show in Los Angeles, working with their their team led by Fabian DeGarbo and Angie Gilbert, who are still two of my favorite people on the planet. And I just, I remember feeling very privileged to be working on such a prominent production. It's my first experience in, in this space. And I just, I remember the very unique dichotomy just between interacting with these top A-listers in the world one minute and literally inside of a dumpster sorting their their waste the next minute. So it was, it was really incredible, to say the least. It was enlightening. It was satisfying, despite the hard work. But yeah, it, it, it certainly helped guide my, my my journey in college and, and of course, after. Definitely. I know. So you mentioned ESPN. I know you also have a long list of other work that you've done. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Definitely. I guess I'll set up kind of the tr- transition from, from university to where I am now. When I was interning with ESPN, it was really just a, a, a one-off, uh, as I thought. I, I was invited back for over the next three years throughout college, just for one to two weeks at the time, working for ESPN with their SBs, with their X Games productions, but never really saw it as anything more than a fun side project on my path to becoming an engineer, really. Mm -hmm. So after graduating, I did receive an engineering job in Orange County, um, working for an environmental remediation company. And I was placed immediately on a lead sampling project in East Los Angeles, where I was just working obscure hours and hazardous conditions. And um, that project certainly shaped my worldview and, and was very beneficial to my career. At the same time, I just remember... And I couldn't stop thinking about that work with ESPN and the engagement with both athletes, but also fans. It just, it felt like more like my path to be more communicative and educational in my career. So I even remember when I was an engineer using my, my vacation time to go out to the X Games to help with their green team, just because I was so passionate about it. So actually from that trip, I returned back to my job, decided to quit um, almost immediately after and actually just, just became uh, a volunteer working at some local environmental nonprofits, decided to get my MBA so that it could supplement some of my technical environmental skills with the, the, the language of business, if you will. And it was then when I, in my MBA program, that I got reconnected with this group out of uh, San Diego that were actually old colleagues from ESPN who just launched a new event production company called Kilowatt Events. So I used my uh, some of my business courses to develop a 30-page marketing plan for them to convince them to create a, a dedicated sustainability division within the company focused on event greening. So we were lucky enough to, to get 
our, our two first proposals accepted, one for the Jew Tour, which is one of the most prominent skateboarding events uh, in the world, as well as for the ESPYs Award show. So really coming full circle there, leading up efforts around event greening for those two productions. And it kind of just took off from there and just been very happy and, and pleased with the amount of work that we that we were able to get, the experiences and the places that it's, it's taken us. And yeah, it's just, it's been a, a wild ride and eventually uh, led to my joining the Green Sports Alliance last January right after the college football national championship game. And then of course COVID hit. So a lot has changed since then. Yeah, definitely. And kind of mentioning COVID. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's the ongoing question. So how has COVID affected Green Sports Alliance and especially focusing on your line of work and sustainability? Oh man, I mean, COVID has touched everything, right? And sports are, of course, they, they do not get off stuff free you know it's it's yeah. it's been a grind and everybody's seen it at the same time although there's been a ton of layoffs and, and in the sports industry and things have certainly changed with fan capacity in most states there's just been a, a serious there's hints of or, or, or more so than than a hint but this optimism and resiliency of the industry knowing that it does serve as more than just entertainment that it is something cultural and that it's it's really ingrained in our lives and I just remember last year the power of Major League Baseball coming back online and and really not I don't think offering a distraction as much as this place of of recognizing culture and and where we've come from and kind of connecting us back to what we love and it was at, coming at a critical time even though it was a shortened season with no fans it was, it was certainly beneficial so yeah I, I mean we're we're continuing to grind out COVID I think it's it's shown how fragile our industry is and if anything it's shown us how we really need to step up with greater urgency around this this next threat that's essentially already here, which is the, the climate emergency. But I guess on a, on a Green Sports Alliance level, it's helped us expand outside of just the need to focus on operations to the need to focus on environmental justice, social sustainability metrics, and opportunities to, to understand it. This space is a holistic opportunity to engage communities and not just on the singularly focused sustainability operations. Absolutely. I think it's always good to look at the silver lining and especially with sports. Uh, it brings people together in a way like no other. So kind of moving our focus into more of what Green Sports Alliance does, could you give us a background on the company? Of course, of course. The, the Green Sports Alliance, our, our mission statement is to leverage the, the cultural and market influence of sports to promote healthy, sustainable communities where we live and play. So we, we are the largest global trade organization focused specifically on sports and sustainability. We, we total over 300 professional and collegiate leagues, conferences, teams, venues, even organizing committees and brands that support the objectives of the industry. So we, we were founded in 2010 with a, a fairly small group of teams up in the Pacific Northwest. So that included the Seattle Seahawks, the Sounders, the Mariners, the Storm, as well as the Vancouver Canucks and the Portland Trailblazers and the pioneers really of the, the green sports movement where it really was born was in the Pacific Northwest. So we did continue to grow over the first decade. We eventually made our way even to the White House um, and President Obama back in 2016 actually helped us declare October 6th as official green sports day. Not a whole lot of people know about that yet, but that is something that we're working on to get greater attention in front of fans and communities. So just as the first decade of work really was focused around convening and growing this movement, our second decade of work that we just entered 
is really laser focused around activating this network and protecting our, our communities through our platform of sports. And I'm happy to get into that here shortly. Yeah. And you mentioned working with, you know, professional leagues and even going down to collegiate level. And I'm just curious, is there any variation between working with these different levels of sports? There certainly is, and and there there, there absolutely some, are some differences. I think it's it's certainly a case by case example where you need to identify various community infrastructure elements to understand how some colleges or or professional entities may interact with not just their their fans but with their local stakeholders and vendors. For example, some some colleges are are equipped with on site MRFs, for, so uh, material recovery facilities where they can actually. They don't need to rely on a third-party vendor to sort or or haul waste to a, a, a processing facility. They can actually do it on campus, which is a fantastic asset. They also have uh, a lot of college campuses have very eager students that are ready to support with whether it be fan engagement, green team operations, analytics, or other needs. So a lot of support comes on the college campuses that professional entities may not always have access to. On the other hand, professional entities may have um, very large partnerships that they can tap into to, to t- drive storytelling or fan engagements or operations. And perhaps the, the, the best opportunity could be when you merge the two. So we see this a lot at some marquee events, such as the MLB All-Star Game, um, that takes local college students from local campuses to be the green team at this professional sports venue and event. So a lot of times you can merge the two for, for maximum impact. Yeah, merging the two is definitely what I think interests me the most about Green Sports Alliance, you know, getting this full circle and tying it all together. So it looks like we are reaching that time for a midpoint break here. So in just a moment, we will be back with Brett Bloomberg from Green Sports Alliance. Hardstock Radio. I'm your host today, Jillian Lewandowski, and also Hardstock's current broadcast production intern. Carol was kind enough to let me take over the show today, and we are speaking with Brett Bloomberg from Green Sports Alliance. Hi again, Brett. Hello, hello. So we were just talking about the difference and variation between working with the professional teams to collegiate levels. And I would really love to hear more about the different programs that Green Sports Alliance is focused on um, in detail. 
Sure. I, I suppose you can split our programming into three main buckets. Number one being internal member engagement and educational programming. So that's really revolving around our annual Green Sports Alliance Summit symposiums, which are, are smaller activations on uh, more of a regional level and usually more on a, a single uh, environmental topic. Also webinars and what we call playbooks, which are, are guidebooks, if you will, around particular actions that our members can take across sports and sustainability. So that's the first bucket. The second bucket we can, I, I, I suppose, name as member action or uh, focused impact campaigns around measurement, improvements, and recognitions. We actually just launched a new program called Play to Zero, and I'd love to get into that a little bit more deeply. But uh, the third bucket prior to getting into that is around our external event greening. So moving outside of our proprietary events and into what we offer as, as services for large-scale industry productions, such as the College Football National Championship game, these are intended to use these very high-visibility moments to not just make a significant impact uh, on the ground, but to demonstrate excellence in our sector so that we can inspire ongoing action from our members through these high-profile events. We also have a 501c3 foundation arm of the Green Sports Alliance. This is really, uh, as, as we described, impacting communities outside the walls of our stadiums. With, with that side, we did just launch a new partnership through our foundation with the Game Changers Institute. The Game Changers Institute is headed by James Wilkes and the team that was behind the Game Changers documentary on Netflix, knowing that uh, plant-heavy diets are, are truly the future of sustainable eating and knowing that it's also an advantage for athletic performance. It's really an opportunity for us to, to grow that, that, that sector and that, that action within our communities around plant-based diets that also will improve sports performance. So that being said, I would love to elaborate more on that, but we also just launched that last month. So more to come soon, and uh, we'd love to come back and, and potentially share more at a later date. Absolutely. I definitely want to get into later on about what the future kind of holds for yourself and Green Sports Alliance. But you mentioned the annual summit, which I believe is coming up next month. Can you tell us a bit about what that summit's like, if you know, COVID is playing a role into that, and any information you could offer? Sure. The, the Green Sports Alliance Summit is it's the most significant annual gathering in sports and sustainability. We convene the top minds from around the industry, including representation from leagues, teams, venues, even athletes and, and brands. We typically spread content across three days and we activate out of a, a professional sports stadium or arena. And this year and last year, of course, switching to that virtual space. But it's still an amazing experience for, for anyone interested in learning about the power of sports as, as a catalyst for sustainable change. We just have incredibly inspiring voices there. Some of my favorite included last year, some Major League Baseball players, current players such as Nelson Cruz and uh, Renee Montgomery from WNBA, including some other activists on the athlete side. It's just it's great to get hear their perspectives and it's inspiring to see what's, what's happening out there. And have you seen athletes getting involved since the company started? Yes and 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 no. The athletes have always been such a, a driver for for sports activism, of course. And really, what we've seen with the last year on COVID, I mean, twenty twenty was perhaps the, the greatest year for sports and activism that we've seen, from human rights to LGBTQ rights to to walkouts and protests over gender equality or race. We've seen so much activism in this past year, and we're asking ourselves every single day. How can we activate those same voices to inspire action for our climate crisis and our other critical environmental priorities, similar to how sports are, are becoming 
more uh, accepting to activism on a social level? And can we make actions around activism a, a personable and actionable endeavor? So that's, that's one of our targets. And so we're certainly trying to engage more voices and more athletes that are actually leading the change on, on a community level. Absolutely. Sports has a huge reach too, which uh, yes, is so great about sustainability in this sector, which is something that we don't see as often as maybe you would in other sectors. And you kind of mentioned earlier on more plans to expand and what the future holds for Green Sports Alliance. So can you touch upon that a little more? Yeah, I think one of the main areas of expansion is this new program that we just launched called Play to Zero. Play to Zero is a new initiative with U.S. Green Building Council and their ARC team. It's essentially the data performance arm of U.S. Green Building Council. We are developing quantitative metrics and recognition standards for venues, teams, and leagues wrapped up into portfolios across them so that we can understand, improve, and actually recognize leadership as we progress our membership base in the entire industry towards net zero energy, net zero water, and a, a zero waste future. So we're incredibly excited about this. We just launched it several weeks ago. And as the teams really progress across this journey, it's not just about data, it's not just about reporting, but it's about engaging the fans. And, and we're excited about the future of really expanding, as I mentioned, outside the walls of the stadium and engaging communities on a programmatic level through this opportunity to demonstrate excellence from our membership base. So making sure that our members walk the walk, if you will, prior to talking about it to their fans and really trying to inspire change that way. Absolutely. And you mentioned too earlier the marquee special events that kind of offer an opportunity for Green Sports's mission to flourish and going with the new Play to Zero. Do you think that offers a way for fans to get even more involved through those events? Absolutely. You know, the the, the marquee events, it, it is such an opportunity to engage mass audiences when so many eyeballs are on these productions. I mean, we, we see that productions the size of the Super Bowl or even the college championship game where there's just millions of viewers across the world tuning in. I believe the, the World Cup in Russia had uh, over 3 billion viewers. And it's just what better time to try to activate global audiences or, or even regional audiences than through these marquee events. So what we really focus on is two parts. One is the, the community legacy component, which is using additional resources that these marquee productions offer via advanced partnerships or advanced resources to really enhance the community even after the production has left that community. And number two, as I mentioned, it's about inspiring our network to see what is possible on the ground and, and through engagements during these, these very pivotal moments in our industry to at least take something away from it that they can replicate or, or continue even after that production's over. Um, and that, those are, that, that's the real intent there. And I'm very curious about the Green Sports Alliance Foundation and kind of the future for that, if you could touch upon that as well. Yeah, the Green Sports Alliance Foundation is, although it has been around for uh, many years uh, alongside the Green Sports Alliance, it's been not as tapped into as we have envisioned it to, to, to be. And with our new executive director, uh, Roger McClendon, who joined two years ago, the vision was how can we build this up to create large-scale impacts on a community level outside the walls of our stadium, as I keep saying, but how can we create programming dedicated specifically to 
the next generation. And so we launched a, a new campaign and slogan called Playing for the Next Generation because that's truly what our mission is. It's how can we leverage our platform to protect the next generation of both athletes and fans because we need, of course, the next generation of athletes to breathe clean air, eat clean food, drink abundant clean water uh, in order to continue to play sports. And the fans also need young athletes to continue watching sports, of course, in the future. So we need to protect that next generation. It's not just about building fields. It's about building sustainable systems around our sports industry. And the, the Game Changers Institute partnership is certainly the most uh, profound uh, partnership announcement coming out of the foundation since I've arrived uh, on the team, but more to come. And, and we're, we're so excited about creating some proprietary campaigns that, that, that do have the ability to scale across our, our country, our, our world, and really provide that value to our members as well. Yeah, definitely excited to hear more. And obviously, you guys do a lot of work with the professional teams, the collegiate teams, and kind of focusing on this next generation. Is there any work with any youth programs or anything in that kind of sector? Yeah, exactly. So the, the Game Changers partnership will be specifically focused around, on, on one hand, the, the impacts within our sports industry. So working with dietitians and trainers and, and entities that would influence both fan diets within stadiums as well as athlete diets. But then on the other hand, how can we tap into community-based organizations to help spread facts and, and scientifically backed uh, nutrition science that will help elevate young athletes, young fans to actually enhance their diets through something that's also a, a planet positive solution. So certainly that is a primary focus of, of our foundation. Absolutely. We have about two minutes left. Could you tell our listeners how they could get involved with Green Sports Alliance? Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I mean, first of all, checking out our website, signing up for our newsletter, just staying involved and understanding that there's a ton of free resources out there, both on our website and on, on other websites that, that the Green Sports Alliance has been a part of. We do have our upcoming summit, which is just a, a profound important moment in our industry and it will be virtual as mentioned so follow along and i think you know if if you're a big sports fan or if you're on a college campus right now and you're not sure if your athletic program is doing enough for the environment feel free to connect with us or, or give us a shout out and what we can see what we can do i mean there's so much work to be done still we're not yet reaching our objectives it's actually just starting um, with our new play program and we're, we're excited to see what it can become Absolutely. And our final question, how can our listeners reach you? Yeah, listeners can reach me at any time. It's a simple email address, just brett, B-R-E-T-T, at greensportsalliance.org, or feel free to reach out over LinkedIn. I think I'm pretty accessible there. Always happy to see young professionals or emerging professionals reaching out and, and kickstarting new conversations because we need as many voices, as many warriors as possible in this uh, small niche within sports. Absolutely. I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story today, Brett, and all the work that you're doing at Green Sports Lines. Yeah, thank you so much, Jillian, and thank you to, to your team and Carol for, for having me. And I uh, look forward to any future conversations. Absolutely. So we will be back next week. This is Heartspot Radio, and I'm your host, Jillian Lewandowski. Thanks for listening. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org.
As I went walking, I saw a sign. 